I do. Oh, never mind. Boom. <laughs> All right. Let me move this out of the way. Learning about ev evolution. Huh? I said, oh, learning evolution. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, that's all we're going to talk about today is how great evolution is. Um, so yeah, this is this this is the uh, the final like Pastor said uh, earlier. This is the uh, the final part in my uh, little series about uh, creation versus evolution, uh, as I've uh, dubbed it, the science of creation, because a lot of people uh, like to disassociate creation and science when they are in fact one and the same. And I would like to disassociate evolution and science when that is, that is the truth. And so uh, we've looked at a lot of things. Uh, we've looked a lot of, uh, at a lot of elements. Uh, the, the first chapter in all of this, we looked at the beginning. We looked at the creation account in Genesis 1. And then we also looked at the, uh, the earth. Um, it was, was the second chapter where we looked at the, uh, the, the, the formations of the earth, how the flood affected the way everything looks today. It was not the result of... Um, meteorite that killed a bunch of dinosaurs. And speaking of, the third part was about dinosaurs and uh, some of the, the fun, um, fun applications of them, even though we know very little about dinosaurs. We just know basically the skeletal structure, uh, mostly. Uh, and then we looked at uh, the last time, uh, the fourth part, we looked at uh, aliens, whether or not they were real or not. Um, it's, it's funny when, uh, when evolutionists like to um, talk about how scientific they are, but yet most of what they believe they cannot prove, like aliens, for example. Um, and so uh, another element that I think is probably the most important, is, which is why I saved it for last, is uh, this. Um, and I've entitled this particular message here, On the Origin of Species. Um, uh, one second, I forgot I have my notes right here. <laughs> I got the slides up here, but I got my notes right here. So, uh, contrary to popular belief, Charles Darwin didn't invent the theory of evolution. The theory had already been presented long before him as men like Charles Lyell influenced him to see the idea that the age of the earth is over millions of years old. Part of Darwin's problem was that he had lost faith in God's word and his biggest thought against God was, how could a loving God allow pain, suffering, and death? So Darwin didn't understand that suffering and death was a result of our, of our sin of man's sin, of the, not just the very first sin, but the sin that we, that we commit as well. So Darwin had read a book called The Principles of Geology uh, by the aforementioned Charles Lyell. And this book was written in a time where everyone believed that rock formations were the result of a worldwide flood. This was the popular uh, opinion of the day. Um, and, that is, and that is very much true. But Lyell postulated the theory that the rock layers were deposited over millions of years. Upon reading this, Darwin set off on a journey in 1831, sailing to the Santa Cruz Valley in Argentina. And when they arrived to the valley, he looked at all the rock formations and he believed what Lyell wrote was true. Darwin believed uh, that here, that the earth has, uh, has to have been millions of years old just by looking at the rock formations. And I understand, we did talk about this when we did talk about the age of the earth in that second, um, <clears throat> in that second uh, chapter of this study. But um, I know they look old, <laughs> but they are not the result of, of millions of years. Further on in the journey, the ship continued to the Galapagos Islands, and there he studied the finches that were on the island. He compiled some and sent them to a scientist who had sorted them into 13 different species. 
The big distinction uh, that he found with the, uh, with the beaks was that they had all had different sizes of beak. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, stop the presses. I got a new headline. Birds, beaks, befuddle British boffins. <laughs> Understand there's a lot more, uh, there's a, that there is more to their discovery than just finding some birds and determining the differences in, in, in their beaks. Darwin began to postulate that the finches were changing slowly over time. And he took it a step further and believed that one type of animal could change into another. And that is when he wrote his magnum opus, the, the book that we all know him by, that he's famous for, uh, On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection, or The Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. And this was the beginning of the modern day theory of evolution. The theory obviously evolved, no pun intended, uh, to other species as well, including humans. A scientist named Thomas Huxley believed uh, humans evolved from apes, given the similarities between man and ape, uh, as well as many other animals being theorized uh, as to where they evolved from. Now, oranges and apples have a similar shape, but I'm not going to look at an orange and think that it evolved from an apple. But that, that, was, that was this guy's idea, was he saw man and apes kind of look similar. They have two legs and two arms, and uh, they kind of walked upright, kind of. And uh, so um, that, that, is, that is where this idea uh, had, had begun. So remember, the evolution of these beings happened gradually over millions of years. So what really happened? Now we already talked about the geological reason uh, why the rock valleys and the geological formations we see are not the result of millions of years. Um, but what about the other stuff that we've seen, uh, that we've seen here? So here's, here's a quick question. And uh, I'll, yeah, go ahead, audience participate, that'd be great. Um, quick question, are the finches at the Galapagos changing? Sure, any, any other? Yes, in fact they are, uh, they are changing. So does that mean that evolution is true? No, it does not, absolutely not. Uh, it is true that the beaks on finches are different length and that they all have different coloring. God gave animals and all living life a blueprint for life. This plan is contained in the genetic code. According to evolutionists, random mistakes that happen in this code can change an animal for the better. But here's where the issue in this lies. If you took a blueprint for a building and added a mistake, would it make the building better or worse? Worse. Uh, that's, that, that's what makes it a mistake. Uh, many people don't realize that there are actually two types of evolution. There is macroevolution and microevolution. Macroevolution is what we normally think of when we hear the word evolution, and macroevolution means that one type of animal changes into another type over a very long time. Macroevolution also happens because of mistakes or mutations in a creature's genetic code, and macroevolution would need thousands of good mutations that would make an animal type better and better. So that is, that is what we would normally think of when we hear the word evolution. But then there's also this other column here, microevolution. Um, microevolution means that a type of animal may have several different varieties but will not become a completely different type of creature. Microevolution is a change that is already programmed into an animal's genetic code. And microevolution sometimes allows animals to adapt to their environment. So, 
Macroevolution is what we normally think of as, as the theory of evolution, what Charles Darwin believed, what Charles Lyell believed, and microevolution is what we would normally call adaptation and variation. So it is true that the finches on the Galapagos, as well as all the other birds on the earth, are changing. But they aren't gradually turning into different animals over millions of years. Instead, they're, uh, they're varying according to the possibilities already programmed into their genetic code. In order to be evidence for macroevolution, the birds would have to be changing into another kind of animal. But they're still birds, and they're still finches. And they have been since the dawn of time. Another good example of this would be dogs. Can anyone tell me exactly how many different breeds of dogs there are? Wow, Clayton shot his hand right up. Yes. I was looking for a little bit more than that. <laughs> any, other, any other guesses? 147. Um, there are actually between at least according to my, my research, unless you're, unless you're reading something else that I'm not. Sure. Oh, random number. Oh, okay. Uh, there are actually 195 and 500 dog breeds in the world. So Clayton, he got you by uh, like 100 uh, or so. Um, so there are, there are between 195 to 500 dog breeds in the world. Just like finches, dogs were bred from one original dog kind. Over time, they haven't evolved into other animals. They simply have had different variations. A pair of dice would also be a good, uh, a good explanation of the difference between micro and macro evolution. Um, if you had two dice, then you could roll uh, any number between two and 12, right? This is micro evolution. Um, there's a lot of variety in possibilities, but they are limited on what's already on the dice. Just like with animals, there are lots of varieties in their DNA, but they are limited to their species. On the flip side of that, uh, if you had two dice and you rolled them, and gradually, over millions of years, these two dice gradually became a fire hydrant. It could happen, right? By itself. Not, not, I'm not saying that somebody can't take two dice and then like melt it or smelt it or whatever they do and turn it into a materials to make a fire hydrant. But what I'm saying is, by itself, if you rolled two dice, would they gradually, over millions of years, become a fire hydrant? No. It, uh, this would be macroevolution, turning one animal into a, another species completely different from, uh, from itself. So what about humans? What about the overwhelming evidence for apes turning into humans? First, the same argument applies for humans. We have, we have a built-in code in our DNA that determines what will be and what we'll give to our descendants. Second, there is no overwhelming evidence for apes turning into humans. Evolutionists claim that ape-man fossils prove evolution. And that's exactly what we're gonna look at now. Are those ape-man, quote-unquote, fossils that we find that, quote-unquote, prove evolution? First off, Neanderthals. Neanderthal skulls, uh, we found have a slightly bigger cranial capacity than the average person. Um, I believe in the uh, skull, yeah, in the skull to the left, uh, that is the regular human skull that we have today. And then to the right, that is what evolutionists claim to be the Neanderthal skulls. Uh, they have a, 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 I wish I had brought my remote up with me, um, with, the, with the laser pointer. 
so I could use the laser pointer. But uh, you, you notice that the top of their dome is, is a lot bigger and maybe their jawline's a little more slanted and, and maybe a little longer uh, than ours today. Um, uh, but they're still no different from some people alive today. Nowadays, many evolutionary scientists agree that the Neanderthal skulls that we found are entirely human. But the way the public has perceived them, they're just a bunch of ape-like brutes, when really the technology we found buried with these skulls are stuff like musical instruments, tools, etc. So over 60 years ago, there was a part of a fossilized jaw and a few teeth that were discovered in India. And this, uh, this jaw was named uh, Ramapithecus. And some declared that this fossil proved uh, that, uh, that this was another part of the evolutionary timeline since this seemed to be the point where humans started walking upright. Now, however, more fossils have been discovered and experts now admit that it was just an orangutan. Um, and th this, is, this is a pattern that you're gonna see with evolution time and time again, is they're gonna constantly change, they're gonna change things to better fit their mold, but they're not going to be deterred from their, from their position. They're gonna stay evolutionists but they're gonna change a couple of things here and there. Uh, this famous fossil is now just an orangutan. And then there is Lucy. I love Lucy. Um, this, 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 is, this is one of the, the, the funniest things to me. She has been the main fossil used by evolutionists that have gone to prove, quote unquote, that we, uh, that we evolved from apes. What got evolutionists so excited was that Lucy appeared to have a hip joint that would allow her to walk more upright than most chimps. Um, I am actually gonna, even though I should have done this earlier. All right, so let me, if you can see it, I don't know if you can, <laughs> that face, I love that face. Um, so uh, the, the <clears throat> here's, here's, here's the difference here. We have the human hips right here. There's the Lucy one, supposedly, and here's, here's the chimp one. These are the fossils that we actually found. I hate to break it to you, but there's not a lot of hip there. So I don't know how we're getting from here to here. I do understand that when you're putting fossils together and putting bones and stuff together, we had to talk about this with dinosaurs as well, sometimes you have to put in the missing pieces, right? I mean, we don't, we, we don't have all the pieces here of, of of the animal, so we have to kind of put our imagination together and maybe just, I don't know, we could combine these two and then pretend that, that, that that's what it is. And I think that's what evolutionists have done. Um, in fact, there's a, there's a documentary um, that, I was, that I watched years ago uh, by, by evolutionists, like trying to prove Lucy and everything. And it was, it was, it was everything here, it was, it was, it was showing all the pieces that we had found, but it was showing all the pieces that we, that we didn't find here. And they were saying that this, this is overwhelming evidence when this is all the evidence we have, is, is, is just this. Um, uh, this uh, for evolutionists, this proved that she was evolving into a human. However, even modern day chimpanzees can walk upright for short periods of time. So the hip trying to get make this the overwhelming proof that this is the middle point between humans walking upright and chimps um, is, is, is just not true because chimps can also walk upright today. 
Um, it's, it's it, for, for short periods of time, mind you. Uh, it doesn't mean that Lucy was evolving or, uh, or chimps today uh, would be evolving as well. Um, so that brings me here to this, this last point here. That is the problem with evolution. If we evolved from apes, why do we still have apes? If, if dinosaurs evolved into chickens and birds like what we believe, or what we believe, <laughs> I don't think so, what evolutionists believe, um, then wouldn't the same be true for apes? We wouldn't have any more apes if we evolved right from the apes. And would we be evolving into something else? We don't see that, 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 that change there. Um, so many other questions. Uh, if every single ape had the code that we talked about earlier that gives us the ability to evolve, wouldn't every ape have, have, have had that? And what did the apes evolve from? Primordial ooze? Wouldn't that have had the genetic code needed to evolve into ultimately humanoid creatures? And that's the problem with the theory and fiction of evolution. The evidence is extremely underwhelming and it only leads to more questions than we have answers. Like I said earlier, um, actually there was, a, there was a TV show I was watching recently where uh, there, there was a Christian character, this is a secular show by the way, a Christian character and a non-Christian character are talking about science. And the non-Christian character is like, um, I, I don't wanna study science with you because you're a creationist. Um, and, and I can't, I, and if I'm doing a science project and I can't work with somebody who's a creationist. That's simply, that, 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 that's, that, that's, a, that's a falsehood. And that's the way that our, that our culture has been raised. Ever since Charles Darwin popularized this theory, then all of a sudden, here we are in, in, in the culture that we're in today where evolution is just, yeah, we believe it. And like I said, back before Charles Darwin, like it was the culture that believed that there was a worldwide flood that changed everything. That was a part of the culture. And today that culture has definitely shifted dramatically. And here, here we are to this, this, this problem with evolution where nobody can give the correct answers. And honestly, um, evolution changes so much. I just showed you a couple of examples of people changing their minds here and there. Do you know how much of the origin of species modern evolutionists believe today? Not a lot of it. Um, I believe at one point it was maybe 20 to 15% of the origin of species is true to modern day scientists. So this theory of evolution has changed and changed and changed and has had adaptation after adaptation, no pun intended. And uh, just all these different editions of, of, of books and, and people going back on, their, back on what they believed. Uh, this morning, actually, we were, we were talking uh, in Sunday school, uh, we're talking about uh, John Calvin and how when he was doing his studies, um, he, would, he would change things in the books that he wrote. And um, the, 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 the types of stuff that, 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 that he wrote about, he would go back to scripture and then, oh, I'm going to change that and I'm going to change that. And I've even seen that in my own life where there have been elements where I, I look at scripture and I'm like, <clears throat> you know what, this is how I grew up but this is what scripture is saying. And um, we, we, we've seen this time and time again. And when we're, when we're holy in the word, not, but, but just for the record, uh, John Calvin didn't believe, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're in a sort of anti-John Calvin position in Sunday school, just, just for the record. 
Um, uh, parents of teenagers, ask your kids what they learned about today. Um, but uh, uh, we, we, we are looking at all these, all these different problems with evolution, how they've gone back on what they believed. And, oh, this is the proof. And then that's going to change tomorrow. It's going gonna, it's gonna to continue to change. But what doesn't change? God's word. It doesn't change. The, the gospel is, has never changed. And with that said, the evidence for science is everywhere. Not creation. I, I, I want to make that very distinctive. Uh, creation and science go hand in hand. They are the same thing. And that oh, evidence is everywhere. Evolutionists, they don't have the evidence. And we see even in scripture, in God's word, here's the evidence. Romans chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. All these things that we see in our world today, not just, not, not just even like just looking at the grass and, and seeing, oh, yeah, God had to have made that. But even the, 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 the things that we've seen throughout this study, the, even getting into super scientific technical terms, uh, when we talked about the, the age of the earth and uh, um, uh, the, uh, the, the kinds of technical things that we talked about that I'm not remembering off the top of my head. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the, these, these super weird things, like we can still use these things and see the evidence for God, see the evidence for creation. Because even the invisible things, even the genetic code that I'm looking at everybody and I cannot read your genetic code right now. <laughs> it's super small and I can't, I can't see it all there. It's invisible to the naked eye. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. So we can see this through, through creation itself, through what God's word said from the very beginning to what God's word says in the very end, it's all true. And all this is, is clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Evolutionists, atheists, agnostics, whatever you want to call them, it's all the same to me. It, they are without excuse. They have the evidence. They can see the evidence, but they don't want to believe it. Um, and they, contrary to popular belief, seeing is not believing. They see it. We have given it to them. And they're without excuse because they've seen it and they've turned from it. They want to believe that their way is right. Uh, they grew up believing one thing, but they don't want to, they, they don't want to change uh, away from that. Um, so overall, as we, as we conclude, not just this study today, but just wrapping up this entire study of, of, of creation science, um, the evidence for the creator is all around us especially when we look at the special ability that God gave creatures to vary and, ad and, and adapt. And, uh, you know, I, I actually, this last week, um, was uh, scrolling through YouTube. You know that real, the, the, the real thing they have on all the social media platforms where you just scroll and it's just video after video? I caught one the other day from Neil deGrasse Tyson. Do you all know who that is, Neil deGrasse Tyson? He's a, he's a famous scientist, uh, scientist, he astrophysicist, that's, that's the word. He, so he's, he's a lot smarter than me. Um, but but um, he, he, he had a video out there. Um, he is an evolutionist, by the way. Uh, he's an entertaining figure. I don't believe hardly anything he says, but he's, he's entertaining to listen to, and, and it's, it's fascinating, some of the things that he brings up. Um, but he, he was talking about how adaptation is not true, 
how there is no way that, that someone can adapt from, uh, how, how birds can adapt from one, uh, from one part of the globe to another and vice versa, that, that, that it's not true. And I, I, I don't think he understands exactly what we're, what we're talking about with adaptation and the genetic code and, and, on, and all these things. Um, he, he, he doesn't understand, I mean, he, he totally believes in evolution and, and, and these other things. And again, he's a guy that's a lot smarter than I am. Um, but he is not using God's word as his focal point, and he's not looking at it from the position of being an intelligent designer. Um, he believes in, in the Big Bang and, and all these wonderful things. Like I said, entertaining guy. I like listening to him, he's fascinating. But what he says isn't true. And so another thing that we've been talking about in Sunday School as well is filtering out the things that we listen to through God's word. Filtering out these, these things that these scientists um, might say, scientists and, and preachers and whoever might say the right things, but is it what God's word says? Um, so that's, that, that's, that's the idea there. Um, we, we see the evidence all around us. Are we filtering it through God's word? And are we taking it in that this was the, 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 the result of an intelligent design? That shows enough how smart, creative, and loving our God is to make plants and animals with a genetic code to be able to adapt, uh, not just to their environment, but uh, just ad adapt to, to the, the, the people and, and things around them. Um, that, that shows just how, how wonderful God is, how smart and loving he is, um, and to, to make plants and animals and us in this very special world. So let's go ahead and pray, and then, um, and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, I thank you for um, bringing us together to, to study these things. And though it's been kind of a short series when there's a lot more details that we could get into about science and, and, and these various things, Lord, I pray that this is enough to, to wet our palates, to, to worship you more, to, to look at you as, as the creator you are, um, like, we, like we've been singing this morning, um, how, how worthy you are of worship. Um, and how wonderful you are for, for doing these things for us, creating this world that we get to live in, and creating it perfectly. Um, and while sin has affected a lot of that, I pray that you'll just continue to allow us to look at it and see it from the, that viewpoint of you being the perfect God you are, giving us the ability to live here, and giving us the things that, that we need to live here. And I pray that you'll just bless the rest of our time this afternoon as we head our separate ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.